Blog Talk Radio. Sponsored by WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, you're listening to Marnie's Friends. Welcome, welcome. This is Marnie Swedberg. Welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends. And we get to talk today about one of my favorite topics, being productive. And we have a great guest, Chris Pinkley of ChristopherPinkley.com. We're going to talk today about State of Mind 2.0, 11 Lessons of the Most Productive People on the Planet. And uh, buckle up and get ready, because during this hour, you're going to discover the top five lessons of the most productive people on the planet, the hidden benefits of boundary creation, the secret to thinking like Einstein, three ways to stay in control of your environment, how to tap into billion-dollar ideas, the number one tool of all the most productive people on the planet, how to develop the self-discipline to build an idea that will make history, the number one worst thing people do to stifle their level of productivity, the three paradoxes of productivity, and the new definition of productivity and why it's important for you to adopt right now. Our guest today, Chris Finkley, is an expert in accelerating your level of productivity. He coaches CEOs, entrepreneurs, business owners, and others to create rock-solid boundaries, laser-focused thinking, and amplified self-awareness to become global leaders. And you can learn more about our guest today over at ChristopherPinkley.com, and Pinkley is spelled with the L-E-Y at the end. Welcome to you, Chris. Thank you so much for having me, Marty. It is an absolute pleasure to be on your show. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Well, thank you, Chris, and I'm excited, too, and you know I love this topic, so (laughs) we're just going to dive right in. We've got a lot of ground to cover. So let's go ahead and talk about, you have top five lessons of most productive people, so go ahead and dive right into that. Love to. The top five lessons of most productive people on the planet are very interesting. These people think in a different way. Lesson number one, imagination is more important than reality. For these insanely driven, powerful individuals, they have begun to pay more attention to the vision in their mind than the physical reality they're surrounded by, which if you think about it, what that does is it makes you become unstoppable because you're only paying attention to limitlessness and you're not paying attention to the limited version of reality you see around you. Okay, so lesson number two Focus on one thing, and it's a very interesting thing, that when you focus your attention on one thing, what happens is that you actually get an exponential kind of a 10x effect on the productivity level and the quality that comes out of that one thing. The pumpkin farmers in the northeast uh, of the United States found many years ago that if you cut off all the pumpkins and you leave the one pumpkin that's outgrowing the rest, that you don't just get a pumpkin that's four or five times as big, you get a pumpkin that is sometimes a hundred times bigger because of this strange exponential effect of focusing on one thing. The, the way that you approach your goals and the way that you approach things is exactly the same. So focusing mm. on one thing at a time, and of course, all the most productive people on the planet are known for one thing. They're known, if you think about it, they're all known for one thing. Yeah, sure, they maybe branch out later, but they are known for being the expert, the very best at one thing. Okay, lesson number three. Am I am I going to is this an okay pace here? Just want to make sure. You bet. That's great. That's great. Okay. Lesson number three, self-discipline. Now, this is something we've talked about time and time again, and, and everybody's thought about it. We've all talked about it and it's been hashed and rehashed, but at you know, there's no getting away from it. Self-discipline is the engine that drives 
all of the most productive people on the planet. And if, what's interesting is you might go, well, why is it not number one? Well, it's number three because it's the engine. It's not number one because, well, if, num- if you don't have an imagination, you don't have vision, then you could be the most productive, you know, librarian in the world. You can end up being the most productive Taco Bell worker in the world. And there's nothing wrong with that. But for people that are listening to this show, you have high aspirations. So you've got to have your vision first, then you have your focus on your passion, and then you have the self-discipline. And the way that the most productive people on the planet are able to maintain that and crazy, that crazy, insane level of discipline is, I'll tell you their secret, they create a morning routine. They maybe spend 10 minutes in prayer They maybe then spend five minutes in visualization, and then they spend another 10 minutes doing some sort of a metabolic burner, just a little bit of exercise to get their body charged up. And that that morning routine creates a level of productivity, a sustained level of productivity that carries them throughout the day. So that's number three. Number four, boundary creation. For the most productive people on the planet, they are all interested in one thing, making history. And it's not – they maybe don't set out to make history, but they set out because they want their art or they want their business or they want their concept or their ideal to be known throughout the world, right? And in order to do that, you have to have what? You have to have rock-solid boundaries. You've got to have these ironclad boundaries because – if you really want to make a global impact, then you can't have your attention pulled left and right. And this is kind of a complex subject, and it's actually almost just about deserves its own show. So I'll just, I'll just bullet it down real quick here. The exercise, the one exercise that you can do is begin to separate out your work time from your, your, the time that you spend with other people. And you do this, you separate out, you know, there's your, there's your family and there's your friends and there's your associates, your business partners, your, your, you know, your coworkers or what, whatever. And so the great irony about that, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself because this is another topic as well, but the irony is that the time that you do spend with other people becomes more precious and more powerful. And they, and you just, and, and it's a higher quality time because instead of trying to do two things at once, we all know if you do one thing at once, it's much better and it's much more quality. So begin to separate, create boundaries around your work, around the time that you spend with people, and you're going to find your life goes through the roof. Last one, number five of the top five lessons the most productive people on the planet operate from stillness. For the most productive people on the planet, they have a very quiet, very still mind. They spend extra time. 10 to 20 minutes a day in prayer, in deep thought, clearing their mind and allowing themselves to be kind of infused with spirit, if you will. If, you know, I don't want to get too carried away, but they just allow themselves to clear their mind. And doing that over the course of weeks, months, and years begins to create a quiet mind. And a quiet mind can take on a lot more than a loud, you know, kind of a, a, you know, a linear thinking mind that, that you, when you can't stop thinking – It's hard for you to take on new things, right? And so the most productive people on the planet have all begun to spend time in quiet a little bit each day and then maybe once, once a week, a little bit longer, a couple hours, spending that time in quiet, not doing anything, not on your phone, not on a TV, not reading, but just being in stillness allows you to become it allows your mind to function at a much higher level of productivity. And so that's my top five lessons of the most productive people on the planet, Marnie. Wow, that's so great. I, I I was thinking about so many things as you were talking there. And one of the things is um, back in 1997, I was prompted to set aside one whole day a week where I did not do any work um, 
so it's pretty much uh, uh, not quite totally um, screen free because of how we live now. <laughs> um, it's almost screen free. It's a lot of rest. Uh, if I would consider something work, I don't do it on that day of the week. And I tell you what, I come into that next day. Usually it's a Sunday I take off and then I come into Monday. So um, charged up and ready to go, energized, um, fresh thinking. I think what you're talking about here is stepping back, that stillness. And if we just keep on going at the same pace all the time, you may think you're getting more done, but in the end, it doesn't really work out like that. Absolutely, you spin your wheels. It's it's uh, you just you're just grind. It's like uh, you're just grinding metal on metal, so to speak. You know, uh, car talk there. You're just spinning your wheels, and you're not getting anywhere. And and I like what you said. Step back. Take a take a breath. Take a break. Just disengage for a while. Screen free. I like that too. I like how the Bible talks about it. About when um, it's in Hebrews, it talks about you have to strive to rest. And that's actually what I find it to be that 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 ability to take a day off takes a lot of preparation work on my part. It doesn't just happen automatically once a week that this just comes about that there's a whole day to take off or time in the day. It's something that has to be prioritized. I like how you talked about these things. Um, your number three point, the self discipline. That's that's really cool. Um, you had to a lot of people do like a 10 minute of prayer, meditate, a five minute visualization and a 10 minute of physical action. Um, that's really cool. So is that like that set of 25 minutes? Is that something that is common among leaders? Absolutely. Just about every single leader that I know have interviewed or talked to um, has a morning routine. Uh, John Paul DeJoria of Her Paul Mitchell hair products, for instance, starts his morning out every single morning, no matter what hotel he's in, you know, globally, he starts out with five minutes of gratitude. That's his first thing. And then he goes in, he's got a couple other things. Martha Stewart starts out five in the morning. She's watering. She's got these huge gardens that she waters. And then six, she's rocking her, her golden retrievers. And then seven, she's doing an hour exercise with her personal trainer. I mean, just about every single one of these maniacs has a, a, a morning routine. I mean, these people are just powerhouses, but it is my, str my firm belief that it is because they have that solid, rock-solid routine that they do every morning. It just it elevates their productivity level, and it just stays that way for the entire day. Yeah, I can really relate to that. And I like how you clarified that instead of 10, 5, 10 or whatever, everybody has their own, but it's a morning routine. It's how you start the day. I can really relate to that. That's so true. Let's talk about, uh, you You said, you know, number four boundaries, that was a whole topic of its own, but you actually had, you wanted to talk about the hidden benefits of that boundary creation a minute. Absolutely. There are a couple of hidden benefits of boundary creation. You don't just get more done and you don't, you don't just you're not just able to control your environment and get more done. But on top of that, what I find, especially for, you know, leaders and people who are, you know, uh, either solopreneurs or entrepreneurs, right. You know, in whatever way that means, even an artist really is an entrepreneur in a sense, right. Or a solopreneur, because you have mm -hmm. to front end it. Then you have to back end it. You have to sell it. You have to market it. Right. So what I find is that you often you're working from home. Now the most delicate boundaries to create are the boundaries with your kids, because as we all know, you just don't have enough time with your kids. You, you treasure and you value that time. But to me, and what I found is the absolute worst thing you can do is work and spend time with your kids at the same time. Because why? It diminishes the quality of the attention that you spend with your kids and your work simultaneously. And if you 
create a rock solid boundary, say, I'm going to do this work for two hours and then I'm going to spend an hour with my kids. What happens is the attention that you put into your work is much, much better. And then the attention that you spend with your kids, you're present with them. They're here, you're here with them. You're here now with them. And as a result of that, they feel that. They feel that difference. So hidden benefit number one is that even if you spend less time with your kids, that, that quality attention is worth 10 times the amount of kind of halfway attention that you might have given them. It's worth at least 10 times. For every one minute of quality attention you spend with your kids, it's worth more than 15 minutes of, of, of halfway time that you might spend with them, right? That's benefit number one. Benefit number two is that as a leader, you know, for people who are especially aspiring leaders, here's, here's something that you have to go through. You must go through this process or you will not make it. And I'm sorry to be so kind of cut and dry about it, but it's just the simple truth. As you create boundaries, the hidden benefit number two is that the people who do not have your highest vision of you in their mind, they're not supporting you at the highest level, will fall away. Why? Because they don't like boundaries. They don't want you to have boundaries because oftentimes subconsciously, maybe not purposely, they don't necessarily want you to pull away. They don't want you to see you exceed because then it kind of leaves them sort of feeling vulnerable and exposed as somebody who maybe doesn't want the same thing. Uh, they don't maybe don't feel good about themselves, but it's you know it's a problem in the beginning, but then in the end you see that it's a hidden benefit because now you feel lighter and you're you're more magnetic to people of the same caliber who are going to support your vision, and there's less kind of emotional baggage to try to deal with with people sort of projecting or trying to pull you this way or that way or kind of kind of you know just, just suddenly sabotage you you know kind of sidetrack you from out of the blue. So it's a hidden benefit that, yes, you have to create the boundaries, but then guess what? Sometimes it works as a double, as a double win because now some of the people that you're having trouble with creating boundaries or, or you know, or, or dealing with or, or you know, getting your energy and attention, they're not there anymore because they don't like boundaries, so they just kind of disappear. Hmm. I, love, I love boundaries, and I think uh, probably – one of the best modern books on the topic was written by Tim Ferriss about, you know, you, you really are choosing, you really are choosing how the day is going, whether you acknowledge it or not. And you can set some boundaries and just say, I'm not going to have my phone pinging every time a Facebook post gets, <laughs> gets posted. I mean, oh, you really can set yeah, boundaries, yeah. you know? Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's amazing the level of distraction available to us right now. And yet it's really up to us. We really can set boundaries that are healthy and uh, do help. And I love, you know, what your first or the first point was about, you know, spending quality time with somebody that's back to the focus again, the 10 times up effect when we spend quality time, when we really focus on something instead of just hitting and missing and, and going with what, ha what just happens during the day. Well, this is Marnie Sledberg. We're visiting today with Chris Pinkley of ChristopherPinkley.com. We're going to come right back and talk about the secret to thinking like Einstein, three ways to stay in control of your environment and how to tap into billion dollar ideas. We will be right back. Find your next speaker at womenspeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,000 Christian women speakers from every state, denomination, and fee range. Speaker profiles include their bio, professional headshot photo, a list of topics with descriptions, some references from people who've heard them speak, and so much more. Connect directly with any speakers you like by phone, social media, or the online connection box. It's really that easy. Womenspeakers.com has been the number one online connecting place for hundreds of speakers and thousands of event planners since 2002. It's all fast. 
fun and free to search anytime you have time, day or night. Check it out now at womenspeakers.com. That's www.womenspeakers.com. And welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg. We're talking today about State of Mind 2.0 with our guest, Christopher Pinkley. We're talking about the 11 lessons of the most productive people on the planet. Christopher, let's go ahead and talk about the secret to thinking like Einstein. Well, you know, I appreciate you bringing that up, Marnie. And I'm going to actually, I'm going to tie two, two, two of our topics to, to, today. I'm going to tie those in together, if that's okay with the audience. And that is the secret to thinking like Einstein and how to tap into billion-dollar ideas. Because actually, you know, when you get down to the nuts and bolts of that, it's the same answer. And here's why. There are, there's, there are basically there are two ways of thinking. There are linear and nonlinear. Linear thinking helps or, or is, is the type of state of mind where you're, you know, it's kind of A plus B equals C. And that's, that's, that's the state of mind where you're, you're kind of able to get done errands and do things in your day. And it helps you to kind of keep track of things. But it's not your billion dollar, uh, uh, you know, your, it's not your billion dollar, your billion dollar reservoir. Your billion dollar reservoir is the nonlinear mind. The nonlinear mind is the origin of all creativity. It's the origin of every single product that you use every single day, all throughout the day. Every one of those items, your car, your seats, your clothes, the food, the way the food comes to you, your house, your bed, your sheets, all of that stuff comes from the nonlinear mind. It comes from the imagination. And Einstein was notorious for taking, for spinning on, on something for a while, like really, really working on something. And then he would go and smoke his pipe and just be. And that is the secret of thinking like Einstein. And it's the secret of the billion dollar ideas. And that is where after you've thought about what it is that you're trying to do, you've thought about a way to, you know, basically, you know, and that's, that's the other thing, too. I, I need to insert this here. And it's the difference is instead of thinking about how you can get ahead or thinking about what, you know, what, what's it, what, how's this situation going to benefit me? The way that these people think is they think, how can I solve this problem in the world? Or how can I pro- solve X problem in the world or Y problem in the world? Elon Musk was, you know, one of the things he says time and time again is he says, I look at the world. I look to the future of our planet, and I see that I see potential problems, and I try to answer them with the business now. And that's the way the most productive people on the planet. And they think, and that way they think like Einstein. They th- they see the world in a nonlinear perspective. And in order, and, and the way you do that is you spend you spend time thinking about it, and then you let it go, and you go and relax and be and be silent. And in that silence, in that stillness. The nonlinear mind begins to awaken. That's your creative mind. And it begins to awaken. And the origin of all your billion-dollar ideas will come from those moments of stillness. They will not come from grinding the wheels and sitting there going over and over and over again trying to, look, trying to figure something out. They come in the moments of stillness. So you must become an expert at taking time to be in stillness and allow your nonlinear mind to become active so that it can feed you the billion-dollar ideas. <laughs> I love it. And whether it's a billion dollar idea or whether it's an idea that will change the life of someone you love, whatever it is, we've all got these things inside of us that we would long to see come out. And um, we're going to talk next about staying in control of the environment. And really, in order to become still like that, you really have to be able to shut out the noise. And 
the noise sometimes is inside your own head and it's sometimes in your environment. So we've talked a little bit already about uh, getting quiet in your own head. Let's talk a little bit about the environment itself, Chris. How, how does one uh, become the master of their environment? Well, there, there are, you know, there's a lot of ways to control your environment. I, the, it became very apparent to me. I met this, this man in, uh, in here in the Bay Area. It was up in um, Montclair, and I was at a Pete's Coffee. And, and I just – this guy, he was just something amazing about him. He was magnetic. You know, I just, I just went over. And I just wanted – he was – I think he was with his wife, and I just – I was kind of being a little bit, uh, you know, uh, assumptive that it was okay. But I sat down at the table, and I said, you know, what do you do? It was just something about him. This was maybe 10, 12 years ago. And it turned out he was a self-made multimillionaire. He was a real, he, you know, he was into real estate. He wasn't a realtor, but he was buying and selling houses and making money. And, and one of the things that he imparted to me was he imparted the power of being in total control of his environment. And one of the things that he did was he wired all the speakers in his house to his, his stereo system. And he would play classical music all day so that no matter where he went in his house, he would hear this music that motivated him. And it kept him in this productive state. And so that's my number one, that's my number one rule, uh, uh, you know, under control your environment is listen to music that is motivating to you and have that music available. And I find that, you know, I've written and published 20 books and I did that all listening to the type of music that keeps me motivated, keeps me in a productive state. And I found time and time again that the most productive people on the planet will be in very, very strict control of their environment. Uh, the next one is location. Always have a location that inspires you. And if your location doesn't inspire you, do everything you can to remove either put items, plants, or paintings, or pictures into it, or physically move yourself to a new environment because you want to be inspired. You want to be motivated, and you want to be inspired. Now, the third thing is the boundaries, and, you know, I, we're, we, you know I'm going to go on and on about these boundaries because it's just so important. In boundaries, <laughs> you know, the, right, the people who can distract you and take your time unnecessarily, the different, the types of, you know, the emails that you get that are, you know, that you don't need to answer, the phone calls you don't need to answer, and, and, and just, you know, and, and, and even like even, you know, strangers off the street, it, it, your family, whatever, just having those boundaries uh, will help you to stay in control of your environment. And, you know, somebody, you know, with your with your executive team, even, you know, have a meeting, you know, make sure that you have meetings so that somebody doesn't you know, walk right into your office and, and approach you with something right in the middle of, a, of your productive state and take you out of that state. Once you've clicked into that creative, productive state, that's gold. You don't want something just pulling you out of it at random. You know, this is so important for those of you who are working on what I call long tail projects, like a book or a dissertation or, you know, a, pro a project that when you start it, you really need a, a fairly good chunk of time to work on it. Like if you're writing a book, it's pretty tough to write a book in five to 10 minute segments. <laughs> you really need long stretches of time in order to um to make progress on it and you just have to set these so let's just let's, um, let's just verbalize some examples Chris so like for me during this radio show um, I have signs on both doors of my home and on my office here in my home that say no noise and then underneath if they're bright orange and underneath it says live radio show live radio interview in progress thank you 
And so even from way out um, at the alley or at the front street, someone can see this sign. In fact, the UPS man and the deliver guys know that when they come, they should be quiet if they see the orange sign. <laughs> so that's a sample example of a boundary. Now, this one is because, you know, we've got so many listeners here. This, this, affects, this hour affects a lot of people. And so everybody gets it. But that's important for me to set a boundary. But when you're working on a book that's going to affect a lot of people, isn't it also important for you to set a boundary and to say, I'm not, I cannot be disturbed during this two-hour period of time or this five-hour period of time or whatever. Chris, what's an example that comes right to mind for you? The the boundaries that I've created is, you know, it's kind of, that that's the that's an excellent example first what you've what you've said uh, uh with your with your boundary around the show that's a perfect perfect example the boundaries that i have are you know this it's it's actually quite easy for me because the first thing is is you know oftentimes i like to go to a little coffee shop somewhere and do my writing and what i find is that all i have to do is plug in my headphones and start typing and i won't be bothered by anybody and the, you know, my clients and consulting and the, and the speaking stuff, you know, the different speaking opportunities that come, that all comes through my phone anyway. So I just turn my phone over. <laughs> right. And, you know, if I'm going to write, if I'm going to, if I have a two to three hour block for, for writing, the absolute last thing that I want is to be finally right. You know, for, sometimes it takes you 45 minutes to an hour to really click in to that stream of consciousness where you feel that the that the that it's just kind of flowing through you and your fingers are just flying mm-hmm. across the keyboards, right? And that's that's just that's like gold. And the worst thing I can do is stop and answer a call or a text or something at that time. So people just kind of know that if I don't if I don't answer them, then I'm either working on a book, I'm on a talk show, or I'm doing something, and I don't really get bothered so much because you know I think I I think probably I take a lot of the boundaries I established for granted because they're just rock solid, so people just don't bother me when I'm working because I just don't even I don't respond. I mean that could be the boundary right there is that I just never respond <laughs> when I'm working. Well, and I think I think that it's, it's okay to set, set reasonable boundaries. I mean, I talk to a lot of leaders, and I'm like, okay, but if you got a phone call right now this afternoon, and they said, um, your dad or your mom just had a heart attack, you would leave all this work behind, and you would go there right now, because that would become your priority to be with that family member right then. And so the reality is we have this ability to say no, that we'll have to wait. But we usually don't use it um, to accomplish things that are very important to us, but that maybe have the bubble to the top of the surface. You know, the food chain where we don't recognize that this really is the most important thing. And I guess that's where that's where people, you're just a boundary. If you realize how important this thing really is to you, this quiet time, this uninterrupted time. If you if you get the idea of how important that is, you will set the boundary. I, I think that's the bottom line. Absolutely. Here's another way of looking at it. You're not going to, and I, I talk in kind of severe terms because I study the most productive people on the planet. And so, you know, you can always dial it back to what might be more realistic to somebody. Um, so this is the generalization based on, 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 on that level, that caliber of, of achiever, but you're not going to make a global impact if you can't create boundaries, you're not going to get your, your book done. You're not going to get your dissertation done. 
either that or it's going to take you five years. And that's five years too long because as we know, time is just is speeding up, you know, and it, it's, it's a, it's, it's becoming a, a, a valuable commodity, your, your personal time, right? Your freedom. So think of it this way. If I don't create boundaries, I'm not going to, I'm not going to better myself. I'm not going to better the people around me who would receive this gift from me, this book or this painting or this work of art or this business or this app or whatever it is that you're working on. It's not going to get done without boundaries. You must have boundaries if you want to make the, if your idea is to make the planet a better place, you must have boundaries to do it. Hmm. Well, that's so great. And we are going to take a little break and come right back. We're going to come back and talk about how to develop the self discipline to actually build an idea that will make a difference and the number one worst thing that you can do to stifle your level of productivity we'll be right back let's talk about boot camps webinars expos group coaching and stuff like that i love investing into your life at every opportunity so i host group coaching programs plus frequent expos webinars and boot camps for example Visit www.biblestudyexpo.com. That's one of the sites that's under the umbrella of Marnie.com. Over there, you're going to find 80 individual 15-minute interview MP3s with authors of women's Bible study books. So the next time you're choosing a Bible study book for yourself or your group, visit BibleStudyExpo.com and actually meet the authors and hear why they wrote that book. It's available anytime you have time over at BibleStudyExpo.com. Another thing you'll find at Marty.com are the MP3s, PDFs, and PowerPoints of all previous boot camps, so you can tap into that training in your spare moments. No need to show up on a particular day because everything's available to you anytime you have time. And be sure to take advantage of the monthly group coaching programs. I personally have paid $600 for group coaching like this, but I offer it free as part of the mentorship program or a la carte for just $99 a month. My heart is to help you succeed at reaching your God-given goals as soon as possible. So join us each month for 21-day group coaching. All of this and more is available to you at Marnie.com. That's M-A-R-N-I-E.com. Hey, welcome back. This is Marnie Frederick, and you're joining us for State of Mind 2.0 with our guest, Christopher Pinkley of ChristopherPinkley.com. Chris, let's go ahead and talk about self-discipline for a little while here because um, I feel like a lot of times people think that, um, you know, leaders are superhuman. And in some way, you know, like watching the Olympics, uh, definitely people that rise to that level in the world, they have, they do have some skills. They have some things that were naturally inborn in them. And then they have added what we would call self-discipline to, to those skills that were inside of them to, to reach the levels that they came to. And the beautiful thing is that everybody has skills inside of you. I mean, you've got things that you were born with gifts and talents and, and uh, propensities that you were born with. And so as you're going through life, if we apply this self-discipline, we can really see a lot different and greater results than we do without it. So, Chris, let's talk about self-discipline. Absolutely. And the, the quote that jumps right off the page to me when, when we talk about self-discipline is by Will Smith. And Will Smith said, I don't particularly feel like I'm a very talented individual. What I have is a sickening work ethic that defies mm-hmm. all rational explanation, right? And so and it, it's, it was a conversation he had with uh, one a talk show host about talent versus skill. And he 
very much felt like he wasn't very – he didn't have a lot of talent, but his work ethic was off the charts. And, mm-hmm. and so and, – and, and that's the thing is you can have any Olympic athlete, right, any, any up-and-coming Olympic athlete who has amazing, you know, inborn talents, but if they don't have the discipline – and the drive, and they don't, they don't have some sort of a system in place, they will never make it, right? In, in a way, in a way, in your life, you have to be your own Olympian. You know, you have to be your own champion, right? And especially if you have goals and dreams and aspirations. You want to run your own business. You want to be an author. You want to be a coach. You want to be a, a, a business leader. You want to be a CEO. You want to be on the, on the executive board at Microsoft, or you want to have your own, you know, you want to have run your own company um, or, you know, you want to, uh, you know, create an alternative energy company, whatever it is, you have to become your own Olympian. And the key, the key is that everything is done one step at a time and self-discipline is one of those steps. And I go back to, I hearken back to the morning routine because it's the easiest way. It's the most overlooked thing about all the most productive people on the planet it's the it's the it's easily the most overlooked thing because people focus on their accomplishments and they focus right. on uh, you know on their mindset and this and that but they don't understand the state of mind of these people and the state of mind is broken down in these little, little nuggets i cover it all in state of mind 2.0 11 lessons the most productive people on the planet you know in essence if you boil down uh, the 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 essence of all these different people, whether we're talking about a structural engineer or we're talking about a singer like Barbara Streisand or we're talking about a writer like Stephen King or we're talking about a self-help guy like Tim Ferriss or, you know, a, 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 a whiz kid like Elon Musk, you know, or somebody like that or, or you know, um, you know, the, the Martha Stewart show or when you boil down. The, the, the essence, the core essence, you sift it out and you boil it down, you strain it down, you're left with these gold nuggets that is the soul, it's the, it's the DNA, the soul level DNA of these people, and it's all exactly the same. And part of that is that they inherently understand they have to have some sort of structure to power the machine. And that structure inevitably, be, inevitably becomes creating some sort of a morning routine that helps your body and it helps your mind and it helps your spirit kind of sync up together into a higher level of productivity. And you do that by setting a time aside time for meditation, prayer, setting a time aside time for visualization, and setting aside time to exercise your body, to activate your metabolism. And when you do that, it puts you in a different state of mind. It gets you into a higher level of productivity that carries you throughout the day. And now you are doing and you have begun the path of the most productive people on the planet. When you do that, when you take time out to create that routine, it's different for each person. You know, you don't you don't get it right immediately, but you don't. That's the key is you don't get anything right immediately. It takes time to learn and to feel it out, to see what's best for you. You know, am I going to need five minutes of prayer and meditation? Or do I need 20? Am I going to need 10, 10 minutes of a metabolic a, a burner, like doing push-ups, doing some crunches and some jumping jacks? Or do I need 20 minutes or I need 30 minutes? Or, you know, you figure you're, you'll figure it out. It takes time. But I guarantee you beyond the shadow of any doubt that if you do this every morning for the entire rest of your life, it will alter your path, it will alter your destiny, and you will become vastly and highly more productive. Hmm. So when you're working with somebody who has no morning routine at all, <laughs> how do you recommend that they begin? Well, if if I'm working with somebody and I find out that they, they just sort of, you know, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to pick on anybody because I realize that, you know, a lot of people don't have morning routine. 
Um, but you know, part of my coaching is, is you know, the backdrop is that, that I am, I am creating a lesson plan, a strategy to put you on the path as one of the most productive people on the planet. You know, I mean, that's kind of what I do. So if you, if you, if you end up coaching with me, you got to put buckle your seatbelt a little bit because, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to very quickly, I'm going to alter your trajectory to match that of the most productive people on the planet. Now, do I expect you to make radical changes inside of a week or a month? Uh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. The best changes, the absolute best changes I've found that people make are the little small changes over a longer period of time. Trying to make two of the dramatic changes usually creates a, a spiky bar graph. You see that spike up and you sp- see it spike down like the fad diets, right? People spike up for two weeks and they spike back down when it's just un- because it's unsustainable to pack 10, 10, 10 boxes of Tupperware with you every day, right? You just can't do it, right? So same thing here. We go with little small changes, right? Let's just say that somebody's, somebody doesn't usually do anything in the morning. If I'm going to work with them and get them start to, start to get them on, on track, on path, then I'm going to say, okay, well, how about let's try, you know, let's try five minutes of meditation and prayer, okay? Let's visualize, spend two to three minutes visualizing your day the way you want it to be today, okay? And then let's, do, let's just do a one set of 30 crunches and one set of 30 jumping jacks. And now it kind of it might it kind of comes off as a little trite or a little silly, but here's the thing: when you begin to start to do it, you feel the difference. You feel already. You feel your state of mind begin to shift. You feel yourself go into a higher level of productivity. And after you've been doing that for a few days, you start to feel really good. You just feel so much better. You just you feel that you you are now activating yourself at a soul level. You're activating your physical body, and your mind is more alert. And so, you know, you start with the little small changes and, you know, the the object isn't to overwhelm anybody, but then you, and you build that up and eventually you get to the place where it might be comfortable to have an hour routine in the morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. You're 10 minutes. And I remember when uh, my kids were little and I had my second daughter and she, no matter how early I would wake up, she would wake up. As soon as she heard any kind of commotion, (laughs) she was awake and I couldn't beat her getting out of bed in the morning. As soon as I'd get up, she'd get up, no matter how early it was. And so I decided I'd do it a different way at that time in my life. I just decided I'd give God the top 10, so the top 10 minutes. And again, it's just this this small amount of time, like you were saying, five, five, you know, two to three visualization, two to three metabolic. I gave God my top 10. And what actually happened with that then, Chris, is that any time that I had longer, like if you know, if it got quiet and I would sit down and I think, okay, I think I have 10 minutes right here. So I'm just going to sit down and, and do my, do my routine right now when I can. And then sometimes that would turn into an hour, two hours, because it's what you, we're really built for that. We're really built to have that time to connect with God. We're built to take care of business at that level. And so when you start to put your toe in that water, it's really amazing what can happen. Um, what's one of the worst things that people can do to cycle their productivity? Well said. Um, for, I'll just recap a little bit of what you're saying is that, you know, if you do, if you have little ones, then it makes it so much more complicated. So the way that you described you know, if you've got a little one, especially who just sort of, you know, senses when you're up and she's bam, she's up with you every time on time, then you kind of have to take it where you can 
And I like that, just that 10 minutes of, okay, you know what, this is, this is going to be my time. She's eating or she's, she's taking a little nap or whatever. So this is my time. I like that. So sometimes that flexibility initially is definitely what you need. And then, you know, if you start out with the base of 10 minutes and you get 20 or 30, excellent. Right. So just, just definitely uh, enjoying what you said there. And what do people do to sabotage themselves? I'll tell you, you know, I found the number one thing that people do to really sabotage their success, they try to get it exactly right. And there is no such thing. And, and Marty, I know you, you probably coach people on this yourself. Um, and it's trying to get it exactly right. And here's what happens when, when, when you try to get it exactly right. It's, it's, there's a little formula, and it's called perfectionism leads to procrastination, and procrastination leads to paralysis, now you're paralyzed, right? Marnie, can you relate to that? Where, where people, um, they basically just, try, they, they don't start at all because they're trying to get it exactly right. So that is probably the number one impediment to, uh, to, to, to being productive is trying to get it exactly right. And of course, the way through that is to take on kind of a ready, fire, aim mentality where you get ready and you go. And then you just correct along the way. You learn the wrong way because you know what? It, it's uh, uh, 10 minutes in the field in the game is worth, worth a thousand hours behind the books, right? That's what they say. So when, if, if you get into your business and you start de- uh, building and developing your business from the inside out, you're going you're gonna to find out that the course that you thought you were on is going to change anyway. So you might as well just get started and then learn as you go. It doesn't mean that you don't have to be educated, but it's much better to play from inside the game than out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I don't typically have a problem with perfectionism. I kind of tend to be more on the other side. I hire a perfectionist to come around me because I'm more on the side where I'm not that way. But I know that I, you know, in some areas of my life, even, even me, I find that that is true. I have a hard time to get going because I'm I'm afraid that I can't do it right, and that is huge. And I guess one thing, you know, there's a lot of comfort in just knowing that the world is bigger than me, and making mistakes is not the end of the world. I liked one guy. Um, I think it was Seth Godin. I'm not sure bad things, you know. It's okay, you know. You, you have you have more than one chance in your whole life to do things, and it's okay if it doesn't come off perfect the first time. Just you just go try. Just go start. Uh, do something. It's easy, easier. You know, there's an old saying: it's easier to turn a, a moving ship, you know, than to get one going from dead stop. So I love that. And perfectionism does lead to procrastination. I love that. Did, did you have any other thoughts right on that one? Well, I'm sorry. Say again. Did you have any final thoughts on that on that topic? No. Did I have any more thoughts on that topic? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, just a little. It's breaking up a little bit. My apologies. Um, let's see. You know, the the I think that's that's really just the way that I learned how to get through that was to become an executor. There is one other thing that was very very helpful with that, and that was learning to put your inner critic in place, uh, especially if you are a writer. The thing is that you are not going to to get your book done if you can't shut up the inner critic. And for me, that was a huge, huge lesson was learning how just to tune it out 
because in the beginning I would write a paragraph or write a couple sentences and then I'd go back and reread it and then I would stop and try to adjust it and you know and then I'd write a I'd get a two paragraphs out and then I'd stop and reread it and adjust it and that's just not how you that's not how you write books right and so what I learned to do what I learned to do was basically just just write and get the pages out and then I know I I I just just know I can go back later and I can adjust it or do whatever I need. And that was kind of the deal. Yeah, I, it's so important. It's so important. And, and one of the things is your boundaries too, and set boundaries around that type of thing. This time when I'm sitting here, I'm not doing editing. I'm just I'm just writing down thoughts and ideas. And you can set boundaries and start. Well, this is Marty. We're visiting today with Chris Pinkley of ChristopherPinkley.com. Pinkley is spelled P-I-N-C-K-L-E-Y. ChristopherPinkley.com. His new book, uh, State of Mind 2.0. We're going to come right back and talk about the three paradoxes of productivity and the new definition that's important to you. We'll be right back. Online training, instant access, increase your skills in the minutes you have. Did you know that the recordings of all of these podcasts are now available to you free of charge at Marnie.com? You can listen via Stitcher, iTunes, or Blog Talk Radio, or download the MP3 for easy listening anytime you have time. Every training module is 60 minutes long, features a guest expert, and focuses on practical, doable, and easy-to-implement next steps in your particular fields of interest. Whether you're looking for help with author training, speaker training, to how to be a media guest, how to be a better manager, maybe you want to be a women's ministry leader, or you already are, or possibly you want to learn more about event planning. Bonus sections even address how to succeed in leadership, marriage, parenting, health, and more. So pick your area of interest and get going today. It's instantly accessible to you anytime you have time over at Marnie.com. Hey, welcome back. This is Marnie. We've got a little bit of technical issues going on this afternoon, but uh, thanks for hanging with us, and we're doing the best we can here. And I can't always predict how these things go down, just uh Thank you for tuning in, and thank you, Christopher, for being here, and hopefully we can you can hear most of what's going on. Okay, Chris, let's talk about the three paradoxes of productivity. First of all, um, productivity, maybe define first what you mean by productivity. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a great question because, as we all know, when you, when you say, say a word like that, like productivity, it's kind of loaded, and so a lot of, there's going to be a lot of different definitions sort of floating around, and I've kind of redefined it. And my definition of productivity is the ability to the ability to develop a new concept or to create a solution to an existing problem. And it's different than the old definition of productivity, which is is kind of summed up with you know how much did I get done today, right? And mm-hmm. the thing is the re- the reason that this is a more powerful, this new definition, you know, the ability to develop a new concept or create a solution to an existing problem is it because it leads you down a different pathway, right? Because that's, for instance, that's the way that Richard Branson and Elon Musk think. And, and that's the way that artists think is they are, they have to develop a new concept or create a solution to an existing problem. And so as a result of that, you think with, you know, your, your thinking is nonlinear. So you have to sort of shift your mindset around, around uh, that, that definition of productivity. And even if you're working, you know, you are working your way up the corporate ladder and you're working at a company, the more you can begin to think in that way, the more your personal value to the company goes up. You become more of a commodity because if you begin to come up, you know, begin to think in a nonlinear way and, you know, you create, 
you develop concepts and create solutions to problems in the company, you're going to get noticed. And as a result of that, you're going to start, you know, moving your way up. Not that that's everybody's dream, but that's definitely, you know, that's definitely a worthy goal for a lot of people who enjoy the corporate lifestyle and they want to move up to the top. And the way to do that is to become a nonlinear thinker. And that will heighten your level of productivity because now you are creating solutions problems instead of just being a cog in the wheel, right? Hmm. Yeah, I think about, you know, the, the phrase production line, you know, where you've got people along a line and they're producing, they're being productive with a product that's all laid out for them. Everything is right there. You do your job, you're part of it, and the production line continues to go down. That's one side of productivity. But you're kind of working with a different level there, uh, I like your definition, ability to develop a new concept or create a solution to an existing problem. So what are the paradoxes then? The three paradoxes of productivity, they're, they're based on the three, the three paradoxes of productivity are based on a a kind of a a new, it's, you know, I'm, I'm really bringing a new operating system into companies and businesses and, and into the executive teams and and that's that's productivity through stillness. And so these paradoxes these paradoxes come up a, a, as a result of the quandary between the linear and nonlinear definitions of productivity. The linear definition is kind of like how much can I get done in a day. The nonlinear definition of productivity is more along the lines of you know what can I create, what can I build, what can I develop. What problem can I solve, right? And as a result of that, there are these three paradoxes. Paradox number one is taking time out to do nothing creates more time to do everything. Paradox number two is operating from stillness creates greater problem-solving capability. And then paradox three is being silent in a conversation for long enough will reveal the actual problem. And now I'll rewind and I'll kind of give you a, give the, a little bulleted definition of each of these. Paradox number one. Taking time out to do nothing creates more time to do everything. What does that mean? Well, when you take time out to do nothing, and we've sort of talked about this a little bit already, but I'm going to kind of go over it again because it's important. When you take time out to do nothing, it stills the wheels of your mind. And as a result, you don't have all these sort of neurotic thoughts just kind of zinging around everywhere. And those neurotic thoughts kind of, they have an effect. They can, te- they can have you taking action steps that don't necessarily create an impact in your life or your goals or your company, right? So when you slow, when you, when you start to, 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 to slow down the wheels of the mind, it actually creates more time because now you're not taking a bunch of frivolous, meaningless action steps. So what I find is when people take time out to do nothing, it actually opens up their schedule and they have more time to do the things that actually matter. So that's paradox number one. Paradox number two Operating from stillness creates greater problem-solving capability. Similar concept. When you get still, you meditate, and you get into prayer, and you slow down the wheels of the mind, what happens is the linear mind begins to quiet down, and the nonlinear mind awakens. And that is the origin of all innovation and all creativity. And when, you, when your nonlinear mind begets, becomes active, that's where all your, your creative ideas, your innovations, your solutions, your your million dollar, your billion dollar ideas or the or the or just just ideas that help your friends and family, whatever it is, that's where it comes from. It comes to nonlinear mind, which is access from being still, from being in quietude, from being in silence. So paradox number two is that ironically, you gain access to these higher level thoughts when you get quiet, when you start to operate from stillness. Paradox number three is kind of is a very interesting one. We've kind of we've evolved from not being very good listeners, from not listening at all, to being active listeners. And now there's a third step. And the reason there's a third step is because 
Active listening is still listening, but you're waiting to say something, right? Which is, which is in a way, you're still sort of, even though it's a better form of listening, you're still not really listening because you're just waiting and gauging when to jump in on somebody to try to help them, right? So we, we went from pe- being people who were barely patient to listen to anybody to somebody who's now be patiently waiting for your time to speak. And our next evolution is to actually be present and allow somebody to get it out, right? And, of course, I want, to, I want to differentiate here. There is this thing, emotional dumping. That's not what we're talking about. That's when somebody just doesn't really want to do the work to change, but they just want to offload their emotional garbage onto you. So we're not talking about you know, enabling somebody to be an emotional dumper so they can just keep perpetuating the cycle. We're talking about somebody who really wants to solve a problem, who really wants to get to the heart of it, right? They come to you. They start talking. And if you are still – and you are present with them, and you remain silent, an interesting and a profound and yet profound thing happens, and that is that as they talk and they get it out, they begin to actually realize what the real problem is. And it's often hidden under what they, what they start with. What they end with is often different because this, they've never really had somebody who actually lets them finish before, right, who lets them get – you know, not just from the pauses, but actually lets them get it out. And, and so that's very profound. And if you, if you continue with that, something even more profound happens. They will often have the solution. And it's what happens when you're actually present and quiet and still and silent for somebody. They will often have, this, have the answer. And when they get it out, when they feel and they hear their own voice talking and they get it out, that the, the oftentimes they, they will have the answer as well. And if you want to take it even one step further, even more profound is that you were quiet this entire time, but you're going to get the credit because you were present and you listened and you held that space for them. They solved their own – you enabled them to solve their own problem, but you're still going to get the credit. They're going to think that you're their hero because you, they, they walk away happy with the problem solved. They're going to give you the credit. So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting, this kind of this triple effect when you are present and, and, and when you're present for somebody and, and you're quiet long enough, they will actually go through a metamorphosis in front of you. It's very amazing. Noise coming 
Well, you know, it, it's um, the the most important thing has always been when I'm being creative is always to been to just to create the exact right environment. And that is, uh, you know, uh, uh, with a, <laughs> for me, it's a, it's a nice, warm, not too hot peppermint mocha. It's my laptop <laughs> and it's, it's my favorite music. And, uh-huh. and I just, you know, I don't really have too much trouble because I just, you know, uh, my air and my energy is, you know, is kind of just like, I don't, I don't really, I don't, I control my, I, you know what I think it is? I control my body posture and my language. So people know, you know, this, 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 this person isn't open for business right now. So whereas if you, if you, you know what I mean? So if you, if you sit back and you look out and you're looking at people and you're kind of smiling around, well, you're going to invite that energy in. So I control my body language and my posture. Um, you know, when it comes, I mean, boundaries are so important that really, that, that, you know, there's, there's not too much to them. You just have to learn and be comfortable with telling people no um, and telling, you know, and, and being okay to, to maybe disappoint some people. Um, you know, cause most of the people that are going to be really disappointed are going to be people that don't necessarily support your highest vision, right? Um, because the people that really support you, they may be a little disappointed, but they will understand and they will continue to support you and they will continue to be your friend. And so it's really just about, being okay with having with with saying no to people and saying no to attention from people or energy from people you it, once you're okay with that it solves everything it's a whole new universe for you Chris, I just love it. As you were talking, I was having the pictures that we own a restaurant and we own a retail store. And um, at these stores, we just post our open hours on the door. We're open today from 11 to 8 p.m. or we're open today from 9.30 to 6.30, whatever the hours of the day are. That's when somebody's going to be there to serve you. And on the other hours of the day, we're sorry because the door is locked and we go to people here to serve you. And now, why is that okay for a business to do? And it's not okay for a person to do. And it's not like you it's not like you screen out every you know, every person in your life in every you know, every day from nine to four or something like that. But at the same time when you have something that's important, you really can set the boundary. It's okay. Christopher and I are telling you it's okay. Set the boundary. <laughs> do it. It's Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> we are coming up to the end of the hour here. I thank you so much for being here with us while you just a new book, State of Mind two point oh eleven lessons of the most productive people on the planet. Chris, if somebody goes over to your website, ChristopherPinkley.com, real quick, what do they find? At my website is, and that's going to get, you know, everything is really changing for me a lot right now, Marnie. Um, since the advent of my book, State of Mind 2.0, 11 Lessons of the Most Productive People on the Planet, I have started a, an entire speaking platform, um, and I've got, I'm booked out on shows, wonderful shows like yours, and so everything is kind of getting rebuilt. My, if they go to ChristopherPinkley.com, that's my coaching site. What you can do right now that is of value is you can sign up if you want for my newsletter. You can just opt into my newsletter. And I'm going to start doing the newsletters again here pretty soon. Um, and, and so, and yeah, you're just going to mostly see the coaching, uh, the coaching site right now. But eventually that's going to get rebuilt. I'll have my blog up there. And there will be tons of information for people who, you know, depending on what level of engagement you want, there's going to be something for everyone. Sounds great. Well, thanks for being here. Thank you guys all for being here. Can't have a show without listeners. So we're so grateful that you came today. 